This is The Guardian. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy to assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. This week, thousands of Republicans descended on the Gaylord National Resort and Convention Center in National Harbor, Maryland, just near Washington, to attend the annual Conservative Political Action Conference, better known as CPAC. Now, the political soothsayers and bookmakers often look to CPAC for clues as to who Republicans might pick to represent them in a presidential election. But this year is different. Scandal surrounds the organisers and there are some noticeable absences. Potential candidates who don't think CPAC is the place to be. So who exactly is today's CPAC for and how much does it tell us about the state of Republican politics? I'm Jonathan Friedland, columnist at The Guardian, and this is Politics Weekly America. When I was in college at George Washington University in Washington, D.C., CPAC was one of the highlights of the year for us as college Republicans. It was the. Tara Setmeyer is a political commentator who once worked as a communications director for a Republican member of Congress on Capitol Hill. I know for sure I spoke in, in 2008 because I recently found my speaker's name badge from CPAC while I was cleaning out my home office. So, yes, I have a long history with attending CPACs speaking there and watching the demise, in my opinion, of what CPAC used to represent and what it's become now. So it's a big get together for Republicans. It's kind of, we would say Glastonbury for Republicans here, Lollapalooza (laughs) for Republicans where you are. In terms of the headline acts, that's the big politicians. But who else attends these events in terms of the speakers, but also delegates, conference goers? Sure. So um, in years past, in decades past, like I said, it was the go-to event for the conservative establishment and even some libertarians. Over the years, um, the dinners at CPAC, it's usually three days and they would have the Reagan dinner or the Lincoln dinner. They'd have these these dinners at the end of the day after the, the breakout sessions and the main stage speakers. And whoever spoke at those dinners, it usually they were aspiring presidential candidates or people they considered up-and-coming stars in the party. Star's already risen, but it's going to rise some more. And I want you to join me welcoming great senator from the state of Virginia, George Allen. I can remember uh, in years past, like uh, Governor George Allen in the 90s was someone who people thought was a potential 
a rising star in the Republican Party. You know, he spoke at one of those dinners. And uh, another year you had uh, Rush Limbaugh be the keynote speaker. When we look out over the United States of America, when we are anywhere, when we see a group of people such as this or anywhere, we see Americans, we see human beings. We don't see groups. We don't see victims. Because he was, you know, a powerhouse on the Republican side as far as uh, communications. And and Donald Trump in 2011, I believe, he was one of the keynote speakers. You're hired. It's like, these are my people. This is beautiful. CPAC's embrace of Donald Trump, I think, allowed a permission structure for some of the more establishment people to give him another look and then eventually accept him, particularly on the right wing side, the evangelicals and the more hard right part of the party over the years. And now we've seen that's become basically a Lollapalooza for Trumpism. And the location has shifted this year after uh, being in, I was going to say, semi-exile in Texas and Florida, but really home turf for them, uh, because of the drawn there by the looser COVID laws that meant they could gather maskless in big numbers in Texas and Florida. Now back in Washington, D.C., closer to the center of power, I'm sure the organizers would hope they would be fully back up to usual speed. But instead, CPAC has been mired in controversy and even scandal, particularly because of sexual assault allegations against Matt Schlapp. Matt Schlapp has denied the accusation. The strategist says that in the weeks before the election, Schlapp groped and fondled his groin during a car ride back from two area bars in Atlanta. Schlapp strenuously denies the allegation. His lawyer has issued a statement saying the complaint is false and the court this complaint is, uh, or allegation is causing unbearable pain and stress to the family of Matchlap. Nevertheless, those allegations are out there and they've had a they've cast a shadow over CPAC. To to what extent is that is that a fair description, Tara? Yeah, uh that's the basics of that. Matchlap uh has been chairman of CPAC since 2015, well chairman of the American Conservative Union which runs CPAC since 2015. Uh, when Schlapp took over in 2015, he um, decided to ride the Trump wave and turn CPAC into a global brand. And once they went behind Donald Trump and and Trumpism, they started to expand CPAC into other locations besides just the signature event in the D.C. area. And they branched out to, as you mentioned, Florida and Texas partially because of COVID. But they started doing a Western CPAC. Then they started doing CPACs overseas. It's been a very strange turn, but it's also been very lucrative for CPAC because they've gotten larger sponsors. They increase the ticket prices. Uh, Fox News was a big sponsor. For many years, they would run the conference. Matt Schlapp and his wife, Mercedes Schlapp, have not been permitted back on to Fox News since the allegation came out. They were fixtures on Fox News for many years because the Schlapps have been DC power broker insiders for decades. And so for them to be uh, no longer welcome on the airwaves at Fox News uh, because of this controversy is very interesting and, and notable. And do these uh, allegations hit particularly hard? I mean, sexual assault allegations against anybody in any political movement would always strike deep. But in this particular case, 
Is there the allegation, I've seen it written in a few places, that there's this added layer in the case of Matchlack because he is the head of the American Conservative Union, because he has staked out over in the past positions that would be, uh, supporters would call them family values conservative positions, but others would say hostile to LGBTQ people. Uh, and that therefore there's a hypocrisy level to this, the notion that the allegation is made against Matchlack by a man. And, and therefore that adds another layer to the, to the scandal from the point of view of Republicans and the kind of people who would go to CPAC. Sure. CPAC, like I said, is more right of center. You have a lot of the the culture warrior, social conservatives who attend this. And if you look at the agenda of CPAC, there's a lot of that language about taking family values back or woke culture and fighting against that and the revolution in education. And those all of those things are very consistent with what CPAC projects and supports. So an allegation like this, it definitely comes across as being somewhat hypocritical from someone who claims to give a platform or has given a platform to these social conservatives who have been hostile in the past to gay rights. And what's interesting about this, it's kind of a mixed bag. This controversy came up again in 2015 because of how many uh, of these, quote, social conservatives were on the panel who were against gay marriage or gay rights and um, at CPAC. But Matt Schlapp made it very clear that gay Republican organizations, particularly a group called GOP Proud, that they were welcome. And uh, there was some pushback by groups within CPAC about this, but Schlapp allowed them to come. So it's a bit of a mixed mixed bag here with this, but there's plenty of hypocrisy to go around in many other areas with the Schlapps. To get to CPAC itself, part of the headlines have been ones that organizers would not uh, particularly relish, which is not about the people who are going to be there, but the people who are staying away. Some of the biggest names in conservative politics will be there, but two names will not be there. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, who many say, including myself, is going to be running for president. Meaning Among them, the former Vice President Mike Pence, the governor of Florida, who is many people tip to be perhaps the uh, party's uh, nominee in 2024, Ron DeSantis, is their absence uh, anything to do with the, this, this cloud of scandal, or is it rather that they fear some of the people who will be there? What's your explanation for why they're not turning up? I think it's less about the scandal, given the scandal-ridden nature of the Trump years, where there is no shame, there really is no bottom. So I don't think that that's the reason why. In my opinion, that will, for, for Mike Pence, and for Ron DeSantis, the common denominator is Donald Trump. CPAC is Donald Trump's domain. He is still extremely popular within the Republican Party. Several polls taken already this year show that Donald Trump is handily beating Ron DeSantis, even most recently. And they do not want to walk into a hostile environment because the crowd is pro-Trump. Now, we talk about hostile environments. There are people in the crowd of CPAC, that environment... They're the same people who believe the election was stolen. These are people who are supportive of the January 6th insurrection. The insurrection, people were chanting to hang Mike Pence, for goodness sake. So we can understand why Mike Pence wouldn't feel comfortable in an environment like that. As far as Ron DeSantis, well, I think Ron DeSantis fears Donald Trump, despite this air of swagger that he tries to put on this level of arrogance when he's giving interviews. You realize he's not doing that on Donald Trump's home turf. It's pretty weak. 
I mean, you've used exactly the words fear and weak. That's surely what he and his supporters must be wary of, that by not going, it's almost worse than if they, if he did go and was barracked by pro-Trump uh, supporters, because now they're going to have a narrative that he's a coward. He didn't dare turn up, albeit to a gathering that is, as you said, you know, a home game, Trump's domain. He's now, hasn't he gifted Donald Trump a narrative? He didn't, he ducked CPAC, he's a coward. Absolutely. I think that it is a miscalculation, a misopportunity on Ron DeSantis's part. The establishment here in Washington and the donor class seem to think that DeSantis is the savior that will knock Trump out of the, the primary. But if he's scared to face him at some, someplace like CPAC, what does he think is going to happen if they're on the same debate stage? <laughs> this is not this doesn't um, bode well for Ron DeSantis you look at some of the PR videos that they're putting out or with him like a fighter pilot like Maverick, you know, from Top Gun and these like over the top, hmm. very highly produced PR videos. <laughs> it's um, laughable. It really is, actually. And yet he can't take a political punch on a debate stage or go and give a speech at, at CPAC. The justification they would offer is that Ron DeSantis is busy. He needs to be in Florida fighting the good fight in terms of the culture wars because he'll be signing a bill that takes control of Walt Disney World. The corporate kingdom finally comes to an end. There's a new sheriff in town and accountability will be the order of the day. And people perhaps don't know that Walt Disney World's has a, a sort of almost autonomous region within Florida. It has a self-governing district. They have their own uh, police and fire department and so on. And that here, Ron DeSantis, under this new bill, would take back control uh, of, of that degree of autonomy that Disney World has had. He won't be running the business of Disney World, but he'll just take over those um, rights that they previously had. If that is the calculation, I mean, well, how do you weigh it up? Do you think the folks who go to CPAC will say... Yep, there's Ron DeSantis. He's a vocal critic of Disney uh, ever since they publicly opposed his so-called don't say gay law, which, uh, as listeners will know, bans classroom teaching on sexual orientation and gender identity. Yep, good for Ron DeSantis. He's fighting the culture war fight against Disney. We don't mind that he didn't turn up to CPAC. He's out in front against one of the sort of hated liberal uh, corporations, institutions in American life. Will he get points for that? So a couple of things about that. He's already gotten those points, um, but it would be different if he were busy in Florida, but he's not. He's doing fundraisers in Texas. He's uh, doing book signing events. He's not in Florida, in Tallahassee, working today or tomorrow or the next day. Okay, He's on a book tour and on a fundraising tour all over the country. So that excuse doesn't fly. Uh, because he is finding time to do other things that are more self-serving, not, quote, fighting the fight in Florida. As far as Disney is concerned, he uh, has already that bill passed, and they have now taken that autonomy away. It's called Reedy Creek. And the political retribution that he has invoked against Disney is so against the free market capitalism that Republicans claim that they are supporters of, and that is such a uh, a huge plank of their of the Republican principles, it's it's crazy. It's borderline fascism where you have the government coming in and exacting political retribution on a private company over political differences. That's exactly what they did. And it's going to cost the state of Florida billions of dollars 
because they now they have to take on the financial responsibility of taking care of that autonomous district that Disney controlled for decades. And the final thought on that, he got married at Disney World. <laughs> <laughs> Him and his wife in 2009, they had a Disney wedding. And yet Disney seems to be the, you know, this woke enemy that he's going after. The absurdity of it is just hard to imagine. Let's talk about people who will be at CPAC because it's not, oh, Trump doesn't get the stage only to himself. Nikki Haley, the only declared rival for the Republican nomination, former governor of South Carolina, served as UN ambassador on behalf of Donald Trump in the early part of the Trump administration. She will be there. How do you think she will fare among the CPAC faithful? I will watch her reception with great interest because there is a, I think people feel like she crossed the line with Trump because she she may have worked with him, but she was also very critical of him afterward. This is part of what she says about the potential for another Trump run. I don't think he's going to be in the picture. I don't think he can. He's fallen so far. We need to acknowledge that he let us down. He went down the path he shouldn't have, and we shouldn't have followed him and we shouldn't have listened to him, and le- and we can't ever let that happen again. And then she's trying to walk it back a little bit and play both sides. There's really no room for being lukewarm on the idea of Trumpism and everything that goes along with that, from the election denying and the conspiracy theories and all of that. There, It's very difficult to separate the two. So I don't really know who her constituency is at this point in the Republican primary base, given her positions on things, which we which seem to be very malleable, depending on what audience she's in front of. Some people will say that she's auditioning for the vice presidential spot for him. And the CPAC crowd may give her some grace because they think that a Trump Haley ticket would be something that they would like to see. So It'll be interesting. That's why she's going, because we all know that she really doesn't have a snowball's chance in hell of winning the primary. Marjorie Taylor Greene has a greater chance of winning a Republican primary than Nikki Haley does, let's just be honest, given today's Republican Party and, and the base. So it's really more about an audition for vice president for her. In the same category, some people are talking about a fellow South Carolinian, Tim Scott. Republican Senator Tim Scott announcing he'll head to Iowa later this month in a trip that is driving talk of a potential 2024 presidential run. There have been some members of the GOP party pushing him uh, to run and encouraging him to run for president. A lot of Republican chatter about him uh, for the 2024 contest. Do we know if he's going to be there at CPAC? I am not sure if Tim Scott will be there. However, it wouldn't surprise me if he did because he is another one uh, because he's a minority and he has dipped his toe into placating some of the, the Trump wing of the party that they would be receptive to having him. And it's too bad because uh, Senator Scott had a lot of promise as an African-American Republican senator bringing certain perspectives to the party uh, when he first came into office. And I feel as though he's compromised that somewhat by uh, dipping his toe into the Trump MAGA pond. Yeah, and and a lot of people also saying he too will be there auditioning for this sort of sub-primary for the vice presidential spot yes. alongside Trump with, with this assumption that Trump is really the dominant figure there. Let's talk about another absence at CPAC, and that is 
When you look at the list of partner sponsors for CPAC, you do see uh, ultra-conservative media like Newsmax and Real America's Voice and so on. But one big media organisation is conspicuous by its absence, and I'm talking about Fox News. I mean, Fox News and its relationship with the Republican Party has been massively in the news recently. It's got this court battle with Dominion, the people who make the voting machines. Fox faces an existential threat from its multi-billion dollar defamation case. That is the headline from CNN Business this morning after that explosive legal filing that came into public view this week. With the suggestion that Fox broadcast allegations against those voting machines that the company regard as defamatory and also revelations that some of the biggest names on Fox, though they were broadcasting saying 2020 was stolen as an election from Trump, they themselves privately knew that that was a false claim. Putting all that together, why have they decided to stay away, do you think? Well, I think for Fox, it's strictly about the legal battle that they are in, for sure. Newsmax is one of the bigger sponsors, and they will be covering this um, wall-to-wall for the most part um, during CPAC, as well as I believe OANN, um, but they have a much smaller broadcast uh, footprint. Let's not forget who some of the people who are a part of CPAC this year, a lot of election deniers. Carrie Lake will be headlining the Ronald Reagan dinner. Carrie Lake has raised, just tonight has raised questions on Fox about uh, about the Katie Hobbs, the Secretary of State, overseeing the elections, essentially counting all the votes. Carrie Lake, who is one of the biggest conspiracy theory, QAnon conspiracy theory, election deniers in the country, Fox News does not want that added to Dominion's case against them on the entire uh, election denying debacle. So Marjorie Taylor Greene, another one who recently in Congress went on a misinformation tirade against a, a Georgia official during a congressional hearing this week, um, making false claims about election fraud and denying election results in Georgia. For Fox News, I'm sure their legal department said, yeah, I don't think that's a good idea for us this year. Yeah, Fox News, of course, denying the allegations against them. But what you say makes makes sense that given this controversy, they don't want to be in the company of people who are known and documented election deniers if they themselves are being accused of denying the legitimacy of the 2020 election. Does all that then add up to a sense that CPAC is now really the home of the sort of far right of the party? It's the place for Marjorie Taylor Greene, Lauren Boebert, they'll be speaking for Carrie Lake, who you mentioned, that it's now CPAC's particularly the gathering of that very hard MAGA Trump wing. And there's no real place for those other uh, uh, streams and strains within the Republican Party. 100%. There's no question about that. You just have to look at the lineup, look at the title of of some of the breakout sessions that they have there. This is no longer your, your just average ideological conservative gathering anymore. It's not what it once was. It is completely transformed into the Trump MAGA cult of personality Uh, election denying, giving a platform to failed autocrats. A lot of them are pro-Putin and against the war and supporting the war in Ukraine. You know, the Republican Party tries to claim that they're becoming more diverse, but I think it's diverse in the (laughs) the wrong reasons. They've now allowed secessionists, seditionists, 
and conspiracy theorists. And um, now we have people like Marjorie Taylor Greene who are calling for a national divorce and breaking up the United States of America. That is quite the 180-degree turn from the days of Reagan and Newt Gingrich and other what were mainstream conservatives uh, back in the day. There is always a scientific, uh, a very unscientific straw poll uh, of uh, CPAC attendees' preferences for the next presidential nomination. I think it's a bit barely a contest. It will, given everything you've said, almost certainly be Donald Trump. Tara, as you know, because you've been with us uh, a couple of times before, we do like to ask our guests a what else question. And this week, uh, Christopher Ray, the director of the FBI, said that FBI thinking tended to believe now that the COVID-19 virus very probably leaked from a Chinese lab. Important perspective here. They are one of eight intelligence agencies that have looked at this and four believe the other way. Believe well, that- that's what's so interesting. Yeah. The intel agencies don't agree. Yeah, they don't. Now, this was a theory that when it first surfaced was often dismissed as kind of conspiracy theory. There are still some people, obviously, who contest it. But there's the director of the FBI giving really a kind of official seal of approval to that hypothesis. What's your take on that? Yeah, I mean, I think that it's very interesting. And and I was never one of those people that shut down the lab leak theory uh, in the beginning. And the fact that Christopher Wray from the FBI and then also the United States Energy Department also has a report out. Uh, they have different degrees of confidence in these reports when they when they submit them. They both are low confidence, but they think it's plausible. So I think we're as time goes by and more investigation happens, we'll find out more. But I'm not surprised by these conclusions. Tara Setmeyer, thank you so much for talking with me on Politics Weekly America. Always a pleasure, Jonathan. Thank you for having me. And that is all from me for this week. Make sure to listen to Thursday's episode of our sister podcast, Today in Focus, where the team report from East Palestine in Ohio. After a train derailed and chemicals were leaked into the air, alarming residents and environmentalists, everyone from Donald Trump to Erin Brockovich has turned up in the small town. But curiously, not Joe Biden. To hear more about that story, search for Today in Focus, wherever you get your podcasts. But for now, it's goodbye. The producer is Danielle Stevens, the executive producer, Nicole Jackson. I'm Jonathan Friedland. Thanks, as always, for listening. This is The Guardian. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.